0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. ...is happening. You can be in the middle of a meltdown, and it's just, oh, here's awareness of meltdown. Or in the middle of fear, or in the middle of ecstasy, Awareness can hold it all. So, awareness of fear is not afraid. Awareness of sadness is not sad. Awareness of uh, deep um, connection is connected. Mm -hmm. It is because awareness is your connection to experience but it's not tainted by anything so you don't have to make anything happen have any kind of um, goal or get rid of anything or improve anything it's it's so simple and so easy when you uh, let go of your agenda and just um, be the awareness that is shining through you or have that perspective. Awareness is, is the basis of connection. That's how we stay connected to ourselves and to others and to life. Without it, when there's not, even though the awareness is happening all the time, you might have noticed, from time to time, we're lost in our thoughts, um, and that's, as Rinpoché was saying, you know, just just see the thought as thought. That's the one thing that disconnects us from the reality that's here all the time. So awareness is really the key and what I what I call awakening joy is really using the awareness to feel or um, connecting having the awareness connect us when there's connection with our experience and we're authentic just how we are not trying to pretend or change or make better or uh, in any way um, uh, think it should be different than it is. Awareness plus connection uh, results in an aliveness. You're alive, and that is one, I think, uh, key, maybe essence of joy that that Rinpoche was talking about. So I wanted to uh, spend a, a little bit of time my little piece for the next oh twenty twenty-five minutes or so, um, exploring this and doing a bit of a, an awareness exercise with you, and then Rinpoché will uh, will have a a chance to uh, to share. <clears throat> so, although. Reality is happening all the time. We, Even when we're here, we usually have a comment on how it's going. Okay, life is doing okay now. It's passing my test. Or, oh gosh, if I were running the universe, I'd do a much better job than this right now. Uh, this must be some kind of mistake. Um, and so with all of that, uh, those judgments and ideas, it filters... Uh, what the true nature is that is shining through us. And so the more we can see that, the more um, we bring it to life and not have it be filtered by our thoughts. So part of the the meditation practice is learning to be with our actual experience, um, holding it all with awareness, but it might take a little extra practice in seeing what's good, not necessarily uh, manufacturing something extra, but we can often miss our true nature because we're too busy saying, oh, but there's a flaw here and there's a flaw there. So um, I think a real um, important support in the practice is to tune into our uh, our goodness, which is the same thing as tuning into our um, basic nature. Mm. And the more we can see that and connect with it, um, then the less preoccupied we are with trying to prove that we're really okay. I, I love the uh, the teaching that by uh, Dogan says, uh, To study Buddhism is to study the Self. To study the Self is to forget the Self. To forget the Self is to be intimate with all things. To study Buddhism is to study the Self. We do Dharma practice and look at this mind-body process that the Buddha said is your laboratory for understanding the human condition. And as you study it more and see who you really are beyond that limited idea of James, or whoever you are, that that little drama called you, then uh, you can actually forget the self. You don't have to be validating and have it confirmed. And when you aren't so preoccupied with how you are doing, then you become intimate with all things. Then you see, oh, there's a whole world happening out there. Oh, there's all these other people, too. Uh, and the more you can see it within yourself, the more you can recognize it in others, recognize the goodness in others, see the goodness in others, and not only see it in them, but actually draw it out of them. One of my, my main practices for many years... Uh, has uh, been to just to keep on looking for the good. Not to pretend that the other stuff isn't there. But when you look for what's good in someone, you awaken it just by your presence. As you probably know, the feeling when, when somebody is around you. And if you sense that they're looking for all your flaws, how do you feel? Flawed. Right, or crummy anyway, or maybe defensive, but when they, they might know all your flaws, but you sense they're looking and seeing, how, seeing your beauty and seeing the goodness in you, seeing the Buddha right in there. How do you feel? You feel beautiful. So what we look for, it's not like you're manufacturing anything or trying to... Uh, Imagine that there is good in that. Maybe sometimes it it helps to imagine there's good in somebody if it's hard to to get in touch with. But to really go in there and look for it right inside there, you invite it out and you draw it out. So, what I want to do is a a little exercise with you um, that's done in pairs. You don't have to say a word. Don't worry about being brilliant, or stupid, or witty, or dull, or whatever. You will not have to say a word. However, this is um, an exercise in uh, in connection. So, and if you prefer not, you have the option of not doing this. It'll take about oh five or six minutes or so. Um, and I also want to say that connection um, takes being uh, willing to be vulnerable. Yeah. Because it's kind of safe when we're in our own world. You know, you go up there on the top of the hill and you're meditating and there's, it's a real refuge to know that you don't have to say a word to anyone or interact with anyone. It's just you with your mind, which is challenging enough, you know But then, to really let others in or let yourself be seen, that's a whole other level of um, of risk that is. It will can lead to the yearning or one aspect of a uh, yearning that uh, that Rinpoche talked before we yearn for connection, we yearn for genuine um, connection, and yet it can be one of the scariest things, even with people that we know well, so um, sometimes especially with people that we know really well. Um, so anyway, uh, I don't want to frighten you too much, but um, <laughs> but just be, um, be open to let yourself be seen and to see, use your awareness to see who uh, this other person who you might have never known before today is. Okay? Complete silence. Okay? So I invite you to uh, find a, a partner, uh, and if you can be on the same level, chair or floor. Uh, and if you don't want to, that's fine. You might go all the way in the back so that uh, uh, people won't look for you. And if you're looking for a partner, raise your hand and look for somebody else who has a hand raised. You might stand up, maybe. Stand up if you're looking for and raise your hand. Okay. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's quiet down so you hear what, what this is, um, what you'd be asked. You can, you can find a space if you, if you need some space. Uh, you can move, but you won't be distracted by talk. Uh, anybody who needs a partner? Anybody else who needs a partner? Here, right behind you. There, turn around. There's somebody right there. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, so this will be in silence now. And I uh, want to say this is a, um, an adaptation of uh, an exercise that Joanna Macy. Um, first created, it's a it, it's a beautiful exercise, and I've just kind of done my own version of it, of um, going through the Brahma Viharas. So um, it's a four part exercise. Okay, close your eyes for a moment. It, it also, by the way, helps to face directly the, the person in case you're not. And whatever your experience is, is absolutely fine. Mm, Just notice what your internal experience is right now, and uh, connect with yourself first. This being that wants to grow and wake up and become more loving, probably all of those are true for you. And now, um, let your eyes open, and look at this person in front of you. Whether or not you've ever met them before, this person has gifts to share with the world. Maybe their goodness, or their joy, or their caring or their creativity, or intelligence. Just imagine, if you don't know, what gifts they might have to share with the world. And realize that the greater well-being they experience, the greater it is that all of those gifts shine through. So just wish them well. May you be truly happy And may you share your love well and your gifts well. And just wish them well so that everything they've been gifted with can shine through. Okay, and now you can close your eyes for a moment. This is the the divine abode of metta, of loving-kindness, just wishing another well. And notice how it feels in your body, in your mind, and in your heart, as you let your awareness connect with that other being for a few moments. Now take a breath and then um, let your eyes open again and we'll look through another lens. This person in front of you has known suffering in their life. They've known loss, fear, Sadness, loneliness, disappointment, they know sorrow. And as you tune into that fact, just notice the caring heart that responds, that wishes for someone to be free of suffering, and send them the compassion phrases. May you be free of suffering. May you hold your suffering with compassion. I care about your suffering. and then you can close your eyes again. Notice what it feels inside. This is the, the divine abode of compassion, karuna. Notice how it feels in your body and in your mind and in your heart. take another breath. Now once again, you can open your eyes and we'll look through another lens. As you look at this person in front of you, just uh, reflect on the fact that they've known great joy in their life, success, happiness they've laughed many times, they know delight, ease, enjoyment, and as you tune into that, just uh, wish them well, and may your happiness continue, may your happiness grow. May your happiness continue and grow. Okay and then you can close your eyes if you like. And this is the divine abode of Mudita of sympathetic joy. Just happiness in the happiness of others. Simply tuning in with your awareness to that aspect. And take a breath. And now, once again, open your eyes and see this person in front of you who has known joys and sorrows, blessings and challenges, and all the lessons that they've learned that make up who they are and their character and the story of their life, that all are part of their journey. And as you reflect on that, just honor their journey. May you have balance as you go through life, through all the ups and the downs. May you learn your lessons and Appreciate your joys with balance and ease. And as you're looking at them, allow them to have their own journey without trying to fix or change or make it any different. I honor your life's journey just as it is. Then you can Once again, close your eyes. This is awareness that allows things to be just as they are with others, the divine abode of equanimity. Notice how it feels in your heart, in your body, in your mind. notice how many different ways the heart can be touched with just opening, with genuine awareness to see, beyond our preconceptions, who this being is. It's the magic of awareness. you can take a few minutes to just uh, check in with, with each other and if you want to share what that was like. Start finishing up just another few moments. Okay. How about if we uh, come on back? Uh, so, um, so first, first question: Are we still friends? Is that okay? <laughs> I know that that's a stretch for some people, but uh, isn't it amazing how easily you can fall in love with somebody? <laughs> or maybe not. Yeah, you know, but um, the only thing you brought to that was awareness. Just tuning in and seeing beyond whatever your imaginings or whatever your preconceptions to see, oh, this person is, is like me. We share those things, our joys, our sorrows, our gifts, our lessons. And uh, this is the real magic of awareness, besides when we meditate to connect with ourselves, to study to forget the self is to be intimate with all things so you practice in here seeing all the goodness in here your true nature your bodhicitta whatever you want to call it the kingdom of heaven within and then um, see it out there Um, so just uh, if there's we can take a a few moments if there's any comments observations um, not that we need to, but anything that feels like want to share. Okay, going once. <laughs> going twice. Okay. Hi. What I found kind of interesting is when we were doing this, the part about um, observing his joy and his happiness was wonderful, mm-hmm. but when you said to think about his suffering or disappointments that was really hard for me to see him thinking that he had that mm-hmm. at all it was just a like no <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and for, this is a, it's an important thing that uh, often we we want to turn away from uh, from uh, either acknowledging that or feeling that or uh, that it's painful to see somebody else's sorrow and yet, the divine abode of compassion is to open up to somebody else's sorrow with an open heart. Um, and so, that for some people, it's, it, compassion is easier than the sympathetic joy. Uh, and for others, it, it, compassion might be harder. There's no right or wrong in this, but it's important to see where our edges are for either letting somebody else in and really seeing them, Or letting ourselves be seen as well, which can be uh, just as hard or harder. Sometimes, and and I know this exercise is a little tricky because you're both seeing and being seen. So, um, you know, you can see all dimensions on that. Yeah, thank you. One last one and then we'll go over here, over there.
1: I did this exercise with Kate and I forgot to mention this to her because for um, a second there was this... Um, I work with people across cultures and the whole eye contact thing is very intimate. Right. And like with some cultures it's okay to make eye contact and with others it's not. And so, um, But it only took me about a second to get beyond that. But I think she and I shared an experience where we felt like we were projecting... Um, I, you know, I was doing the exercise with her, but then I felt like I was seeing myself in her, and then I felt like I was seeing all of humanity. Just kind of, and she felt like she was seeing all the people in the room, and so it was a, a very potent uh, experience.
0: There you go. So. Actually, that's it. Through that one person, you see all of humanity, yeah. Yeah. and that that is the direction of metta practice, where you go through these different categories from benefactor to loved one to neutral to difficult person and the idea is to see is to let the distinctions and the barriers just fall and see it's all the same we're all the same thank they're you all, they're all me yeah thank you okay so this is i just wanted to invite us to reflect this is the this is the real magic of awareness to go beyond your thoughts about somebody to see, oh, who's in there anyway? And if you can see it with an open heart, it's usually good news, um, with a loving heart, because you'll see from that place of either Kuan Yin if they're difficult or, uh, you know, the big love if, uh, if they're beautiful. So Rinpoche, please.
1: Welcome, everyone. Buddha said that he... Experienced is a uh, way that is so <coughs> profound, peaceful, simple, luminous, and nobody would understand it. The way that he's uh, speaking of is the Dharma. Dharma is like a, a diamond with the uh, many facets—eighty-four thousand facets—and there is a love. There's a, a Compassion, there's also anatta, or adnatman in Sanskrit. Uh, Let's use a Pali word, anatta. It's much easier to pronounce. Literally means uh, a no-self. This very word can be misleading because it makes you think that you have to reject something because this word has a negative particle. A is a negative in both Pali and the Sanskrit. And perhaps uh, it's very really easy to think, now I have to reject something, I have to transcend uh, the self or the ego. The idea behind uh, no-self is that we are not this uh, personal self, this uh, limited, uh, individual self. This is not about uh, going around and telling people that uh, you don't exist and nor about uh, making this a very mind-blowing, philosophical claim that there's no self. <laughs> this is very different from stating that uh, and there's no self at all. This is more looking deeply within you, realizing that uh, this very Ego itself that uh, you and I are identifying with is rather this superstructure of uh, many components, karmic patterns, psychological makeups, fear, resistance, regret, pride. And yet, You will not find even one single phenomenon in that superstructure of your ego self that you can say, this is truly who I am. If you dip, if you keep looking deep enough into that superstructure of all your kleshas, your psychological, mental make you'll find something very extraordinary. I would like to recite a verse from Shang Deva, by the way, and today is a day of joy. As I told you, I have written a letter to many of my friends about joy, and my friend James is uh, the master of the joy. <laughs> He is the master of the joy. <laughs> he is a living joy. It's very hard to be grouchy around him.
0: <laughs>
1: By the way, I sat with him almost 10 days ago. I think I dropped into his spirit. So I felt a joy. And later that I sent out to many of my friends. It's all about joy. Maybe something has to do with... the gems so Shanti and Deva talked about a blind man has been lost for many years and finally stumbled over Jindalmani wish-fulfilling gem in the middle of a filth when you pray to Chindamani it grant all your wishes, including the sight. Chindamani is a mythological gem in Indian literature. But remember, the analogy is that this blind man found it in the middle of a filth. So this analogy has many levels of understanding. It is like looking dribbly inside you. First, what you find is maybe filth, a psychological filth. It's like almost going through a trash can sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. When you really look inside you, you'll find all this uh, messiness inside you, like literally looking into a trash can. You'll find uh, everything, and you'll find there's even stone. Buddha said there's a thorn in the hearts of every human being that tortures them day and night. The thorn, the conceptual thorn, the mental thorn, the thorn of a delusion, the thorn of a hatred. Either hatred to be projected onto others or to harbor towards ourselves. Every human being is walking with the throne. Every human being has some pain inside them that uh, they share sometimes with others, and sometimes they don't share with others. I don't think there's even one human being who does not have that uh, uh, agony inside his or her heart, if they are really courageous to be vulnerable. All the from spiritual teachers, gurus, down to the person who is cleaning the kitchen, everybody carries this uh, agony. And this is what uh, Buddha was aware of. This is what uh, the awareness that moved him to a path. And where he found uh, a gift, a spiritual gift, a gift of wisdom that he can share with uh, human brothers and dharmas, which is the Dharma. Dharma is a gift. So, what I want to use as a knowledge, not so stone, but ice. As you know, in this culture, when somebody is very cold, not so friendly, you call speech the women ice queen. <laughs> <laughs> In the same way, there are lots of ice kings, they forgot about it. The, the icy king and the ice queen. The truth that we all can be ice kin and ice queen. We can be sometimes frozen inside, cold-hearted, and to be lost in our own ego. So the anatta is not so much having this kind of very radical unconventional philosophy equal understanding that there's no self, but there's more experience of uh, melting that uh, ice inside you. Melting everything inside you, melting even ego, because the ego is a form of a psychic ice. Ego does all time defend yourself, and always trying to defend yourself, and the effort of ego defending itself is a form of a contraction, form of a resistance, form of strangeness, form of a greed, form of a paranoia, form of hatred. So th- all these great ancient traditions have been offering methodology to melt that ice. My friend James wrote this beautiful layout of today's teaching. He asked me to talk about this notion of melting into love or compassion and uh, devotion. This is a very big topic. Uh, we can spend <coughs> another week here and talk about <laughs> all these topics, <laughs> love, compassion and the devotion. All the great traditions... Uh, such as Buddhism and Hinduism offers many ways to melt the ice or to remove the stone from all of us. Let me talk about a little bit of devotion. It is a subject that we don't talk so much. Maybe it scares us. It's good to be scared sometimes because the devotion scares our ego. Because ego thinks that devotion is going to make us an idiot, <laughs> silly, and maybe lose all our self-control. Or maybe we end up doing something ridiculous in front of a people. Or maybe we sign all our bank account to a stranger. <laughs> so any of those dangerous consequences can happen if you are totally melting into love. That's why ego is always afraid of discussing this topic at devotion. <laughs> and yet devotion is a big part of the Dharma. It's one of the facets of Dharma. In India you have all these uh, sadhus, yogis who are totally ecstatic and they know why they are ecstatic. These people are called God intoxicated. God intoxicated. They are intoxicated by God, not intoxicated by drugs or mind altered substances but they are blessed out by God because they were drinking the nectar of the devotion. So devotion it's a very big part of the Buddhist path. Uh, I remember that James Barris was speaking of his own path of a devotion. In some sense, as a Buddhist, uh, we may find this uh, idea of devotion a little bit tricky because Buddhism is a non-theistic religion. There is no god in Buddhism. There are no goddesses in Buddhism. It seems it's quite difficult for many people to know how to experience devotion without having a, a somebody outside to surrender to, or to love. i tell you my journey about uh, the path of devotion. I've been on this Buddhist path at a very early age and uh, my early spiritual practices are sadhanas. And sadhanas are based on the devotion. like. Uh, Sadhana of Tara, Sadhana of Avalokiteshvara. And my teachers uh, told me that there's no Avalokiteshvara outside of yourself. There's no Tara outside of yourself. It was very really challenging for my mind. I didn't know for a long time how to have a devotion without having a, a someone a grand entity outside of myself that is much greater, much bigger than myself. So in Buddhism, devotion can be totally objectless. It's just the experience of uh, losing yourself, losing your ego, losing all your ice inside, losing all your fear, all your resistance, all your hatred, all your anger, everything that you have been carrying all along. And uh, I usually talk about this idea of a disillusion, which is the same as a purification, the karmic purification. Uh, a concept that many people will relate to in the East. In the West, uh, the notion of uh, karmic purification can be a little bit uh, sometimes uh, harsh. So I am using the word sometimes, a disillusion. I say that there are two kinds of disillusions, painful disillusion and ecstatic disillusion process of dissolving all your resistance. The ecstatic dissolution can happen through love, through devotion. Devotion is the act of surrendering, act of letting go everything. All your resistance, all your defensiveness, including the ego self. So this turned out to be the essential theme of all spiritual traditions, even though they might be applying different uh, symbols, methodology. Many years ago, I was invited by a Sufi group. And the first thing I saw was, their master was a smoking cigarette which challenged my concept. <laughs> By the way, I had a teacher who smoked cigarettes back in Tibet, but somehow it was very challenging to my mind to see somebody who was smoking cigarette who was supposed to be a spiritual teacher. And that alone was a teaching for me. <laughs> and then they invited me they had a, a lovely meal. They shared uh, that with me. They're extremely inclusive. They treat me as their brother. This took place in Maui. <laughs> then they said that they're going to do the sacred dance, the zigar, And of course, I didn't know how to dance the zikara. I said, I will sit and all of you do the dance. So the master recited a poem spontaneously. They were around maybe 30 to 40 people. Everybody danced together. I sat a little bit uh, further from them and they recited a Heart to Sutta, which is a, the sutra on emptiness. So first, uh, I felt that the whole thing was a cacophony. <laughs> and they were dancing, and I'm sitting there like a rock. <laughs> and they were talking about all this beautiful language, like beloved, and I'm talking about emptiness, sounded totally <laughs> contradictory and mutually exclusive, so that uh, I'm in the wrong place <laughs> with the wrong people. But then as time goes by I felt this tremendous devotion to the emptiness. And they were having I'm sure devotion towards the beloved. And it turned out that beloved and the emptiness are the same thing. <laughs> it just we use a different uh, methodology to experience that non-conceptual truth. And it's all about losing your ego. And I forgot at one point who I was. I forgot I was a Buddhist. I forgot that there are Sufis. I totally forgot. I become the dance, even though I was not dancing. I felt I'm the dance. So that is what... Uh, in my opinion, melting into the devotion, melting into the love. Mm -hmm. So of course, I never learned the the zagar, but I invented my own version of (laughs) Zagar. I'm sure you're ready to hear. And that is, when I take shower <laughs> and I chant this Buddhist mantra, a mantra of Paranjana paramata, Om Gatvingati Parangati Parasam Gati when I take shower, that's what I chant, and that's my ziggur <laughs> So we can invent our own version of uh, ziggur the sacred movement, of course there are many uh, movements, muttas, vajra dances in Buddhism that helps us to experience melting into the the emptiness, melting into the highest truth and where the self is resolved and self is no longer who we are. Where all your ice, your karmic ice is dissolved and and begin to see your true nature and also begin to see how you can live. Have you ever had this moment that your mind becomes utterly clear, your heart becomes so open and even you don't know how to describe what you're witnessing but you have this very strong Affirmation that I wanted to live like this. I wanted to live in this truth, even though you may not be able to describe what that truth is. But there's a deep feeling that this is how I want to live, and this is how I wanted to live every morning when I wake up, and this is the truth from which that I wanted to connect to everyone, every human being. So there are many beautiful methodologies that we can apply such as the Bhakti Yoga in Hindu tradition and then there are lots of Jewish and devotional yogas and some Buddhist uh, tradition, and there's also the four Viharas, uh, uh, Brahma Viharas, the four divine abodes, the meditation on the love, compassion, sympathetic joy, equanimity, And meditation on the four divine abodes can lead us to that profound feeling that the ice is melting inside you. And you feel that stone is removed from you. You feel that finally the shackles broke inside you. And finally you feel that your eyes opened first time in your life. Even though this is not a, a rational. So I believe that many of you have felt this uh, a today while you're sitting here. And this is my uh, intuition. The exercise that James offered is very beautiful to me. I was uh, witnessing here. I'm just sitting here, and this is what, all I'm doing right now. I'm just sitting here, looking at all of you. I'm not looking at all of you as a person, as a woman, or as a man, but looking at all of you, what I call the indescribable. You are indescribable. And there is a tremendous power when. Humans gaze into each other's eyes. In my tradition, there is a teaching which is considered the highest teaching. It's called a punching out instruction. Each the moment, a teacher looks into your eyes. It doesn't matter whether he or she says a word or not. What she does is she look into your eyes and recognize that you are the indescribable. It is said that that is the most powerful teaching you can have. That is the most powerful dharma you can have. There are no words sometimes. There is no practice. But that moment of gazing into each other's eye can be so powerful. It can heal all your wounds inside your heart. It can open your mind once and forever. We are all teachers. You must know that even though you may not be wearing robes, you may not be sitting on the pedestals, but you are all teachers. And so I just wanted to say it was such beautiful and transformative exchange of the truth. And may we always remember Our original face again and again.
0: Thank you, Rupert. So, um, again, we can take a mindful walk um, beside.